Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. But thank you for joining us today. God's an awesome God. I know we've already prayed, but I want to pray again because uh, to start with this morning, it's sounding like I'm really got a lot of negative stuff. But how many knows that God's bigger than all the negativity in the world? He is. But also, before we go that, I just want to mention that Tuesday night, we're having what I'm calling a uh, huddle, a team huddle. We're trying to determine which uh, new ministries to try to get involved in, how to expand our ministries. Because, uh, you know, during COVID, it just seemed like we were marching in place. So we're trying to get uh, relaunching some things. So uh, just want to mention that, be over in the Fellowship Hall at 7 o'clock Tuesday night. Father, I thank you for the opportunity of sharing the Word of God. The Word of God never returns void. But Father, we need your help. We need your anointing. We know the Word's anointing, but we ask you to anoint these lips of clay to preach the Word clearly. I ask you to give our ears to hear that we would hear what the Spirit has to say to the church today. And God, we rejoice in your goodness, and we ask you to minister to the many hurting in the world. God, that you would just touch us minister in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I'm concluding our series on the prophets. No, I have not preached on all of them, and I haven't run out, but I just felt like we've been doing that long enough, so thank you for allowing me to do that. And we're concluding our series today, and we're going to use the little book of Joel. And I know I've used part of that passage recently, but uh, with all the events going on. How many knows that there's a lot of things going on in the world? Amen. Talked about a lot going on in the church. There's a lot of things going on in the world. And <clears throat> I want to look at the question, what's next? What's next? I don't know. Many of you know that we, we've had four deaths in the church this past week. We had Faye Tomat's funeral yesterday. Her husband's here today. So please keep that family in prayer. Virginia Fields passed away. Um, Mike Scott, our former drummer, passed away this, uh, this week. His service will be here next Saturday. And then also um, Bill, Keppel. Bill Keppel. I'm sorry. I, I knew that. And I was, uh, the first service I said five, and I forgot that one of those five was my cousin. So we had four within the church. So uh, please keep all those families in prayer, if you would. As I said, I'm concluding a series. And I want to ask that question, what's next? And I'm not going to try to prophesy or even predict the future. But I simply want to share the comfort and the challenge and the encouragement of God's Word. Now, that's kind of a, a sums it all up because on one hand, we got the challenge. How many knows there's a challenge to God's word? But he also encourages us with it. He challenges us with it. And so many are asking that question, what's next? Many preachers are trying to answer that question. 
Prophecy teachers are telling us to be aware of the signs, and many of us echo those words. Now, Joel uses a phrase, kind of rewords it in several places, but it's only three chapters long, but he talks about that day, or he talks about today, or he talks about the day of the Lord. I want to look at those, and I'll be spending uh, most of my time in the book of Joel. And so if I do not refer to it as far as uh, uh, which book, it'll probably be Joel. But look in chapter 1, verse 2. Hear this, ye elders, give ear, all the inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days? Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your father? Then drop down to verse 15. Drop down to verse 15. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is near. How many knows the day of the Lord is near? I know some of you say, well, pastor, I've been hearing that all my life. Well, how old are you? It's that much closer. (laughs) For me, it's 70 years closer than it was when I was born. So it's that much closer. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and as destruction from the Almighty, it comes. Chapter 2, verse 1. Blow a trumpet in Zion. You heard that a little bit ago. Sound an alarm on the holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness, they're spread upon the mountains. A great and powerful people. Their like has never been before. Nor will be again after them through the years of all generations. Then drop down to verse 28. This is kind of the theme verse of the Assemblies of God. And it shall come to pass. Some translations say, after this. Some of them say, and then. But it says, shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. Drop down to verse 18 of chapter 3. And in that day, the mountains shall drip sweet wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water. And a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Shittim. I don't know if you noticed, but we use that term that day or after that. It talks about the day of the Lord. Now, I personally think that we're living near the conclusion of time as we know it. Now, again, I'm not predicting a date. I'm not predicting a time. I just see some signs that are going on that I think that we need to acknowledge and understand something. Over the years, I've had to change my theology some. Have you ever had to do that? Have have any of you had to change your thinking? Because you, you thought you had it wrapped up. You thought you had it all in control, and then all of a sudden things began to happen. See, early on in my ministry and as a teenager growing up, I thought that all of the events of the last day would be supernatural in events. In other words, God was going to do something supernatural. But as time went on, I 
remembered that sometimes God uses armies. Sometimes he uses nature. Sometimes he uses events. All to bring about his will. And then when I, it really was made clear to me when I read one day about what a nuclear war would look like. Now, we haven't talked about this in a long time, but some of you remember back during the Cold War days that that was a regular topic, a, a nuclear war. And when Hal Lindsey was writing about the last days and different ones talking about the end times, they were talking about the fact that a nuclear war could be one of the things that God uses. Now, I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm just telling you that's what was very popular. How many of you remember that's a popular statement? When that was going on, that was really a thing. And I saw a parallel. Then I read in a magazine an article, or maybe it's a newspaper. I don't remember where I read it. But it talked about what a nuclear bomb would look like and the devastation it would cause. And I remember reading in the book of Revelation. And you know what? It sounded just like a nuclear bomb. Now, you say, I don't remember that. And I know uh, some of you, like me, my forgetter works better than my remember. <laughs> but I, I do remember something. And some of you will probably remember this in Revelation chapter 6, verse 5, where it says this. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, come. And I looked and behold a black horse and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for Daenerys. Now what's a Daenerys? That's a day's wage. Any of you been to the grocery store? You have to take out a loan to buy a steak or put it on a layaway. A quart of wheat for Daenerys and the three quarts of barley for Daenerys and do not harm the oil and wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come. And I looked and behold a pale horse and its rider's name was death and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with a sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beast of the earth. Drop over now to the chapter 8 of Revelations. Chapter 8, book of Revelations, chapter 6, verse 6, excuse me. Now the seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth and a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. That was what got my attention years ago. Because I was reading it says that if a nuclear war happened, that a third of the world would be destroyed almost instantly. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet 
And a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on the third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so a third of the light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. And I know some of you are sitting here saying, I did not come to church this morning to be discouraged. I know. I didn't come to be discouraged either. And I'm not discouraged. I just know what the book says. I just know what the book says. And somebody said, well, what are you trying to do, pastor? Scare us? No. I'm trying to answer the question. What's next? What's next? So let's go back to Joel. Because see, Joel talks about an invasion of locusts. That was a true thing that happened during that day. It totally wiped out their crop. Every stage of the locusts, the different types of locusts had came and wiped out all of their crops and they were literally facing starvation. And Joel used this event, he used this event to share the message that God had given him. And I want you to notice as we share it, there's some negativity, but every time there's some negativity, we've got a way maker that is working on it to make a way of escape. Every time there's a, a threat, there's a promise, amen? I know I mentioned this before, but I've, had, I've been asked by a lot of people, said, did your dad ever threaten you? I said, not, a one, not, not once. He gave some promises, but he never threatened. Huh? Because he told me, if this happens, this is going to happen. That's not a threat. That's a promise. And God does not give threats, but he gives the promises. And for the believer, guess what? Those are some good promises. Those are some good promises. And so that's what I want us to look, like, look at today. Joel chapter 1, verse 2. Hear you, this, you elders. Give ear all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. In other words, it wiped out their food. It wiped out all their food. But then if you drop down to chapter, verse 12, the vine dries up. The fig tree languishes. Pomegranate, palm, and apple. All the trees of the field are dried up. And gladness dries up from the children of man. I, I don't know. I, I, I could probably spend some time on this. But it talks about the fact that when problems hit, when difficulties hit, not only did they dry up the crops, but the joy of the Lord seemed to leave. The gladness of the, of the people began to leave. Now, folks, I know you're probably getting tired of hearing this, but I'm going to keep hammering it. For those of us that are children of God, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what keeps us going. It's not those things around us that we keep hearing about. We keep reminding ourselves that he is the way maker. We keep reminding ourselves that he is the way, the truth, the life. We keep reminding ourselves that if God be for us, who can be against us? We keep living on that word and know this true. God's word is true. Drop down to verse 16 where it says, 
Is not the food cut off before our eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of God? This is what disturbs me. Is it seems like the church is just as depressed as the world is. Let me say that again. Many in the church are just as depressed as the world is. And that should never be. Because we've got the source. We have access to an almighty God. Drop down to chapter 2, verse 6. Before them, people are in anguish. One translation says they're scared to death. All faces grow pale. Verse 10. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened. And the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before the army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? And I know some of you are sitting there and some of you watching online said, Pastor, tell us something good. I watched news yesterday. I had enough of that. Tell us something good. I heard something over... Synergized conference a few weeks ago and it resonated with me the church has never died of persecution I said the church has never died through persecution every time persecution steps up God shows up and see shows takes care of his people but I want you to know even though persecution has never The church has never died of persecution. Prosperity seems to hurt the church more than persecution. In the world today, fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. Some of the Middle East where they have the strictest and worst persecution, the church is growing by leaps and bounds. Do you know the greatest growth in the Assemblies of God? Now, I realize it was a time when, uh, you know, percentage makes a, a difference. But the greatest growth in the Assemblies of God was the years of the Depression. Because when you've got nothing else, you look to God. The church in Cuba, thriving. Not because they're being persecuted, but because they put their faith and trust in God. So I asked you the question that you asked me, what's next? And I have to answer, answer the question with a question to you. What do you want to be next? You say, well, that's a dumb thing. It's almost like someone once asked when he moved into an area, he said, you know, what are the people like around here? Are they friendly or are they all jerks? And he said, well, what was it like where you left? <laughs> because chances are you're going to meet the same people that you left. Because if we act like a jerk, guess what? Yeah. Seem like everybody's a jerk. let's read. We said, what do you want to be next? You say, that doesn't make sense, Pastor. I believe that you and I have the answer to what's going to be next for us. 
I didn't say for the world. Well, what's going to be next? Let's look and see what the scriptures say. Chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Now I like this. For he is gracious and merciful. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad he's gracious and merciful? Because I tell you what, if he was not gracious and merciful, he'd have gave up on me a long time ago. I'm glad my wife is gracious and merciful or she'd have gave up on me a long time ago. We serve a God who's gracious and merciful and it says he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and he relents over disaster. In other words, God sees what you're going through and he's gracious and he's merciful just like he was back in Joel's day. They had just gone through a terrible calamity. The locusts had wiped out their crops. The locusts had, had devastated them and yet he was telling them, listen, we serve a God who's gracious. We serve a God who's merciful. We serve a God who is abounding in steadfast love. Drop down to verse 21. Drop down to verse 21. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not. You beast of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine give their full yield. I don't know if you notice this, but it seems like every time God says, hey, it's bad. But he also says, I've got the answer. In other words, what he said, every time CNN says, you in trouble, God says, listen, we got this, baby. I want to tell you something. We're all shook up, we're all concerned, and I don't want to make light of any situation going on in the world today. The Ukraine and the situation over there is horrible. But I just cannot picture God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit sitting at the throne said, man, I didn't think that was coming about. I didn't see that coming. He knew. They knew. Didn't catch them by surprise. And then we go to verse 28. Again, the theme verse of the Assemblies of God. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Now I look around, some of you should be having some great dreams. Old men shall dream dreams. Young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. Now, I have to believe, we often talk about the dual reference of, of, of uh, prophecy. Talked about back then. Talked about several times. He was prophesying something that was going to take place on the day of Pentecost few hundred years later. But I believe he was also prophesying on something that was going to take place in 2022. He was going to pour out his spirit 
upon all flesh. That God is still moving. God is still looking for people that he can bless. He's wanting to do something for the children of God. Chapter 3, verse 16. Notice what it says. The Lord Ryan roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earthquake. In other words, there can be calamity everywhere in the world. But, aren't you glad God's got a but? But. But the Lord is refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. And I believe we can add to that. God is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Oxford, a stronghold people of Central Florida, and yes, a stronghold people over in Europe where they're going through all this turmoil. God is still on the throne. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain, and Jerusalem shall be holy and strangers shall never again pass through it. And in that day, the mountain shall drip sweet wine and the hills, hills shall flow with milk. Do you remember the sermon I preached about two years ago. Matter of fact, I, I was thinking, I preached this right at the beginning of COVID. And I said, no, I didn't. I preached this before COVID happened. I preached it after the election when everybody said, what in the world's going to happen? And it didn't matter which side of the aisle you were on. You said, what in the world's happening? You remember the sermon? Our assignment hasn't changed. Our assignment hasn't changed. God still has work for the church. A lot of people say, well, pastor, when is the rapture going to take place? In God's timing and when he's finished with the church. But even during the time of tribulation, I believe there's going to be a working of God. Amen. See, some people teach, and there again, I know this is debatable. Some people teach that the Holy Spirit is what's keeping the Antichrist at bay. I believe it's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that's holding us together here on this earth is the body of Christ. You say, well, not doing a very good job of it. Minutes after the rapture takes place and the church is gone, you see how good the church is doing. You say, well, some people think it's the Holy Spirit. Well, the Bible tells me that there's going to be people saved during the tribulation period. And so the Holy Spirit has to still be here. But the church is going to be gone. But I look around and I see you still here. I'm still here. So I have to come to the conclusion our assignment hasn't changed. What's our assignment? Love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and all of our spirit. To love our neighbor as ourselves. And what this verse gives us power to do, you shall go forth and be witnesses. 
I pastored in Lake Wales a number of years ago, and we were having a community-wide revival. It was not a Pentecostal revival. Matter of fact, it was a Baptist preacher preaching the revival. We were wanting to see people saved. We were wanting people to be our community pulled together. And I went and talked to the head of the full gospel businessman, good friend of mine. He was from a church that was not, uh, well, it's very, very liberal church. And I said, listen, we need your help in our revival. We want all the Christians to bind together and unit, knit together so that we can put on a front to reach people and see them saved. And we need your help. I'll never forget his response. Well, pastor, my church is not evangelical. I said, I thought you were spirit-filled. He says, I am. I'm charismatic. I said, what was the Holy Spirit for? I said, I think it's power to become a witness. So I think you became evangelical. He said, we'll be there. We'll be there. And I'm glad to tell you we had several hundred people saved during that crusade. President of the Qantas Club, the very next Qantas meeting, I went to, he invited me, and he shared his testimony. He had been a member of a church all of his life, but had never been saved until that revival. Church, we still got work to do. So we're stuck here. So what's going to happen next? Well, that depends on you. Because you can choose to watch CNN and be discouraged or read the Bible and be encouraged. Now, I'm not telling you you can't watch the news. I don't. I know some of you say, Pastor, you don't? No. I get enough bad news just following it by the echoes. See, people tell me all about it. You say, well, that's not all the good news. I haven't heard any good news. That's the reason I don't listen. So what's next? It all depends on what you're looking for. See, Jesus may have said it best when he was just 12 years old and his parents lost him for three days. When they finally found him, he said, don't you know I must be in my father's house? He was at the temple. Now the King James Version said, don't you know I've got to be in my father's business? That was another one of those things that I had to change my theology a little bit. Because see, in Luke chapter 9, verse 13, or excuse me, 19 Verse 13, it says this. Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minas or 10 coins and said to them, engage in business until I come. King James Version says, occupy till I come. So in my line of thinking, when I heard that word occupy, it meant doing battle. But that's not what it means. Now, that's a battle. But we'll be doing business until he comes. 
We're to do business until he comes. So what did Joel say? Chapter 2, verse 1. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm. How many thinks that we need to be sounding an alarm? Oh, my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. So whenever it happens, whenever it takes place, I want to tell you, the time is closer now than it was yesterday. It's much closer now than it was the day you believed. So what are we supposed to be doing? What's his business? We need to be sounding the alarm. What's verse 12 say? Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Sound the alarm. Turn to God. And if you're a Christian, and if you've drifted away, turn back to God. Drop down to verse 21. Fear not. Pastor, how can you live without being in fear? Realizing greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not. And then the ones we've already read again. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. So what do we do? Sound an alarm. Turn to God. Live in faith, not fear. I could camp there a while. I said, I could camp there a while because there's no way you can live in faith and fear at the same time. They will not abide at the same spot. You're either in fear or in faith. Fear not. And then be filled with the Spirit. And I know some of you say, well, Pastor, I was filled with the Spirit when I got saved. Yes, you were. Some of you say, well, I was filled with the Spirit when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes, you were. But the scripture that Paul says to be filled with the Spirit literally means to be being filled. I gassed up two days ago, but guess what? I'll have to spend another $50 in a few days. Why? Because I need to be filled. I need the energy. I need the power to go to the next stop. And we as Christians, we need to sound the alarm. We need to turn to God. We need to fear not. And we need to be filled with the Spirit. Job says this. The Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Let me say again. The Spirit of God has made me. How many agree with that? And the breath of the Almighty gives me life. I realize as we're gathered here this morning that we've got hearts that are saddened because of loss of loved ones. I've had people tell me, listen, I've got family in the Ukraine. Would you please pray for it? And my heart breaks for those. 
I know that our missionaries are struggling in many places. We got many families that are struggling financially because of the inflation. But I know that God's telling us, sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. Fear not. Trust God. Depend upon God and be being filled with the Holy Spirit. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.